All right. Sunday morning. We got to find a church to go to. It should be easy. There were a bunch when we were driving. Seems in. like there was one on every block. It can't be that hard, right? They're everywhere. Hold on. We're still in the parking lot. Well, you know I worry. Okay. Okay, here's one up here. Listen, Church, Church of, of Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. That's us. Of We're Latter day Saints. Yeah. Okay, no. You can't do that. Okay, here we go, right here. Oh, I love the funny church signs. What's that say? What is it? Uh choose the bread of life or your toast. No. Oh. I'm gluten free, I can't go there. Okay. Is that Echo Church? I don't know. The churches with the nightclub names, I don't love those. Plus, we're a new creation, and we both came out of that lifestyle. Yes. Praise him, raise him. Okay, what about that one, United Pentecostal Church? Okay, well, you're not getting in there. You're wearing pants, so for sure, no. Oh, I forgot my long denim skirt. You're right. Plus, you're wearing too much makeup. What? No, for the denomination. They got a thing about women and makeup yeah, and I don't stuff. Think they do. No, you look great. I'm just saying it's not just for to the, for there. Yeah. You should stop talking. Oh, is that Iglesia de Cristo? Really, with the accent? Let's not do this. Well, I've been using Rosetta Stone. You don't speak Spanish. We're not going to a Spanish-speaking church. I kind of speak Spanish. You don't. Well, I like traditional. I like okay. neutrals. Got it. Yep. I don't want something too progressive. Sure. I don't like steeples, but I also don't like strip malls. Okay, so like something in the middle. Okay, potential church? Nah, maybe next year. Okay. You didn't get the joke. It's not funny. All right, here we go. Barnabas Anglican Church. Anglican? Can we oh, do that? and it looks like they have a female pastor. Uh, really? No, I'm just saying I'd rather not. Do you want to sleep on the couch tonight? I'm. Babe, this is way harder than I thought, honestly. I know, we're in a city. There's gotta be an Andy Stanley Satellite Church somewhere. I mean, right, if not, there's probably one coming soon. I'm sure they've already got a building fund. Wow. <laughs> okay, Ebenezer Baptist Tabernacle. Uh, is that a black church? What? I'm just saying, you wouldn't last in there. All the dancing and moving, Ebenezer Baptist Tabernacle. You can't even clap on rhythm at the white church, okay? okay? I watched the Potter's House, first of all. Second of all, I love T.D. Jakes and I follow his daughter on Instagram. Okay. Oh, what about Kingdom Hall of Jehovah's Witnesses? I don't know how it works there with visitors. Can we just walk in or do we have to knock first? That was dumb. Come on, that's hilarious! Cathedral of St. Peter? I don't know, is that is that Catholic? I don't know, how can you tell? I don't know, with the Catholic Church, you always need to look for the keywords. Saint, Perpetual, Sacred Heart, anything Guadalupe related, if we're not in Mexico, for me is a no-go. What about like a mega church? I don't want like a mega church. I'm out on any church that has like cops directing traffic. Okay, two hands on the wheel. Please. It has cops directing traffic. I'm out. It's going to take forever to get to okay, lunch. Okay, you're right. All right, here we go. Look, New Hope Church of God. We can do that, right? Church of God. Is that the one with the new instruments? I think, uh, is that Church of Christ? Oh, no, it's Church of Christ. I grew up Church of Christ. We couldn't even wear tank tops. No thanks. Okay, good. great voices though. Great acapella. I'd still rather. Oh, Jericho's House of Praise. What, are we just going to drive around it seven times? Maybe then we'll decide. What? It's a joke. Read your Bible. Okay, what about this tabernacle? Okay, as a general rule, tabernacles, cathedrals, temples, synagogues are all out. At least a synagogue would have a young could have put on that hair. Okay. Oh, here we go. Is that Hillsong? Thank you. Lead me to the cross. <laughs> this is perfect. Let's go. Oh, babe, we're on vacation. I didn't bring my skinny jeans. We can't go to Hillsong. Yeah, but those have holes in them. They look fine. What? No. I definitely can't wear that Tommy Hilfiger shirt. What do you have on underneath What's that? This? I wear it to the office. No. I don't know, like a V-neck or oh, something. Oh, yeah. Like just wear the V-neck and put these on. These glasses? They didn't have lenses Trust in them. Trust me. Why? Yeah, you look like Carl Lentz. What? Okay. Okay, you know what? Not going here. Well, he's an attractive man. We're going to brunch. Well, congratulations, everyone. You're in church. You did it. I don't know if you've ever been congratulated for being in church or not, uh, but you're here, and I don't know why you're here. I don't know what your reasons are, but you all decided to be here today. You made that decision. Uh, maybe you decided you're, you're on the church hunt, 
and this is your very first time ever, uh, first weekend, and you heard about us, someone invited you, you saw us online, whatever the case, and maybe that's why you're here. Maybe you're here at Crosspoint because you like the music or the coffee or the dress code or the lack thereof, whatever it is. Um, maybe you're here simply because the location is convenient. Maybe you're at South Campus right now because you were two hours early for a movie and you thought you'd pop in for a while. Uh, maybe you've just been coming here for years. You don't, you don't even think about coming. You've just been here for so long that you wake up and you're like, oh, I got to go to church today. Maybe you've been here when we were all of at Wesleyan and you built this place and paid for this room. Maybe. Uh, I don't know why you're here. I'm glad you're here because I was going to be here anyway, and it'd be awkward if no one else was. But you all came to church today, and I think that's great. You know what, though? There are tens of thousands of people in our own city who will not go to church this weekend. They won't. And it's not that they, they don't know that church is happening. It's not that there's a lack of awareness that church is a thing that still exists. It's hard to drive around Fredericton and not see a dozen churches. Right, so it's not that they don't know. In fact, it's not even that they've probably never come. I bet they have. I bet most people in the city have been to church at least once in their life. So that's not the reason either. It's more than that. I bet that there are thousands of people in our city who used to go to church, but they don't anymore because they had some kind of negative or unpleasant or painful church experience. And that's why they're not going to show up. They just decided, this is too hard, that was too much, and I'm done. Maybe they went to another church and gave that a shot. Maybe they walked away from the church forever. But if you were to ask a lot of people in our city why they won't be in church this weekend, I bet you would get a lot of the familiar answers that maybe you have heard before. I'm not going to church, that place is just full of hypocrites. Oh, I'm not going to church, that's a racket, they're just after my money. I'm not going to church this weekend. It is old-fashioned and out of touch. You know what you very rarely hear when people say they don't go to church? Very rarely is it someone who said, you know what, I really took some time to think about it and dwell on it. I did my study. I did some history. Came to a well-balanced and well-reasoned conclusion that my beliefs just don't line up with the church. That's usually not the reason, is it? Beliefs come into it sometimes, but it's usually not the first reason. In fact, it's usually not even the second or the third reason that people aren't in church this weekend. It's usually that they had some kind of unpleasant experience, an unfortunate experience, and they went to a church, something happened, they didn't like it, and they were like, those people are jerks, I'm leaving. And they went to another church, and they found out that jerks go there too. <laughs> and so they went to another church, and they're like, these people are just like all the other people. And they left church. They just decided this whole church thing is nonsense. Maybe that's why there's a lot of people not in church this weekend. Maybe it's not that, though. Maybe some people didn't have a negative experience. Maybe there's people that are just like on the video that we watched, and they just can't find the location that's right for them. They can't come to a conclusion. Where, where is the perfect place for us? I like, I like the music at that church, but, but I don't really like you know, their kids' ministry. Or I like the preaching at that church. I don't like that the service is two and a half hours long. I, I like the coffee over here at this church, but they don't have a choir, and that's not going to be... Whatever the reason is, they just can't find the perfect location for them. 
So there are thousands upon thousands of people, no exaggeration, in our city this weekend who aren't going to be in church because they couldn't find the perfect one. They couldn't find the perfect church. Everywhere they went fell short. Everywhere they went, there was something that didn't meet their expectations. Everywhere they went, there was people that maybe were a little bit difficult. So they don't go. But what if I told you that there is no such thing as a perfect church? There is no such thing as a perfect church. There is not one in Fredericton. You are not sitting in one right now. There is not one outside of the city of Fredericton. If you are on the search for a perfect church, it is like looking for the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, and you're just going to keep looking for it, thinking that you're going to get close, and you're never going to find it. It is going to be, you know, your Captain Ahab looking for the white whale, and it's never going to find, it's never going to show up. It's just this never-ending hunt that you are constantly looking for the place that will finally meet all of your needs. And for a lot of people, they couldn't find one, and that was enough for them to walk away forever. So here's the thing. There are no perfect churches, but we are still called to be a part of one. Just because you can't find a perfect church doesn't mean you should give up on the church. Right? Just because you can't find a perfect church doesn't mean we're allowed to give up on the church. The church is God's plan for the world, right? The, the church is a movement of people filled with the spirit of God that he sent out and said, go to the ends of the earth and make disciples. That's the thing. The church isn't a building. The church is people. That's the problem. The church is people. Because there are no perfect people, which means there are no perfect churches, which means at some point you've got to decide then an imperfect church is perfect for you. There are no perfect people. We are messy and broken. We have made mistakes. We have made poor choices. And we're kind of ended up where we are. There are no perfect churches. And so at some point, you've got to stop looking for the perfect church and decide to be a part of one that's not. At some point, you just have to decide that I guess I'm going to be a part of an imperfect church. And you're going to have to make the decision to say, you know what? Not everything that happens in this place is going to be my preference. You're going to have to, to, to say that the way this place is organized and run is not ever going to be flawless. You're going to have to say that I won't see eye to eye with all of the people in this place and I'm still going to go. You're going to have to say that there, there might be pastors on staff that, that I had a run in with and you're still going to have to stay there. You're, at some point, you're going to have to decide that this imperfect church is my home. That this imperfect church is going to be my family. Because all of those things are going to be true at every single church that you go to. Now, I do want to clarify and highlight this just really briefly. Every church is imperfect, okay? But there are some churches that are bad. And I'm not telling you to go to a bad church. And if you go to a church that's not praising Jesus Christ and preaching the gospel, you should leave, okay? So I'm, I'm not talking about bad churches. I'm talking about imperfect churches, and if you're looking to be a part of a church, just know and believe and understand it will never be everything that you need it to be. 
It will never fulfill all of the demands that you've got. It will never kind of meet all of the expectations that you have for it. And yet it's what God has called us to be a part of, an imperfect church. And so this is what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks uh, and, and we've called this broken buildings. And the idea behind this is, is that people really want church to be a, a variety of different buildings in their life at some point, to some degree, with whatever season they're in. Sometimes people want church to be like a restaurant where if you could just hand me a menu and I could pick and choose what my preferences are, that would be great. Some people want to go to a church and it's like a sports stadium where they could just really sit on the sidelines and spectate other people doing the work. That would be nice. Some people want church to be like a hotel where if you get bored, you can actually just go to the one down the street. And if you get bored there, you can just go to the one down the street. There are kind of these broken buildings that we've got in mind, all these things that we think the church should be, all these places that we think the church should be meeting all of our needs, but none of them are ever going to be a perfect church. If it was easy to build a perfect church, our city would be full of them. But there isn't one of them, including the one you're sitting in right now. So is it easier to sit at home and listen to the podcast of your favorite preacher? Would it be easier to find a whole bunch of people that you get along with and, and agree with theologically? Would, would it be easier to kind of dream up a place that everything is run how you want it to be run, everything is preached the way you want it to be preached, everything is programmed the way that, that, that you would want to be involved? Absolutely it would be easier, but it's not what we're called to. We need to remind ourselves that doing life with people is not easy. That being in the church with one another isn't always easy. That family isn't always easy. And that sometimes it's messy and inconvenient and painful, and yet we do it anyway. The church is still God's plan, and it is still beautiful, and it is still the way God is pushing the mission of his church forward. Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 16, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Right? Some music shouldn't destroy a church. Programming shouldn't destroy a church. Conflict shouldn't destroy a church. You know what I love? God's plan for the world was to use an imperfect church. That was his plan. He's going to use an imperfect church to change the world, and we get to be a part of it. We get to be a part of it. And so we're kicking off the series today, and the building that we're going to talk about today is a museum. The museum. The church is not a museum, even though sometimes we treat the church a little bit like a museum. Here's what I mean by that. A museum is a building that celebrates the past. A museum is a building where there are dead things on display. A museum is a place where every room declares, this is the way things were. It's a building entirely devoted to the history, to the past, to the way that things used to be. And that's fine. That's great. That's what a museum is for. I don't know if you've ever taken a trip to a museum. Uh, I remember in elementary school, we went to the St. John Museum, and I uh, was bored out of my skull. Because as a kid, you're thinking, this is going to be awesome. There's going to be dinosaur bones and ancient Egyptian mummies there. It's going to be super. Not St. John. No, we had a dead whale. That was real neat. The highlight for all of us was that fountain at Market Square that everyone threw their change into and we were trying to fish it out. That's what everyone came home remembering. <laughs> Someday I hope to get to an actual real like museum of natural history. It has not happened yet. 
But that's what a museum is. Here's what happened. Here's the way that it was. Here's a celebration of the past. And sometimes what we do is we take museum characteristics and we put them on the church. And sometimes the church can start to look a little bit like a museum. And we can say, well, here is the way that it used to be. That was great. That was fine. This is the way we've always done it. So we shouldn't change anything. What's wrong with the way that it's always been? And anytime there's been some attempt to move things forward or to change things, it's usually met with a little bit of hostility. We can't change that. I like it the old way. We can't go there. We've always been here. We can't spend money on that. We've never done it that way before. And before you know it, you have a church whose present looks an awful lot like it's past. And a church whose present looks like its past has no future. That might be the purpose of a museum, but it is not the purpose of the church. The church has history, but the church is not history. We are a place that has a future, right? We're still here, and we need to keep moving forward. Now, I will say this. The past is incredibly important, and, and we should look to the past we should celebrate the past. We should honor the past. We learn from the past. God frequently told his people, remember, it's important to look back on the things that God taught you, the way he spoke to you, the miracles he did. It builds your faith. All of those things are great. It's just that we're not called to stay there. We're called to keep moving things ahead. Or to say it like this, Christianity is only ever one generation away from extinction. And if we don't pass it on to the next generation, it doesn't move forward. I want this church to still be standing long after I've been put in the ground. Anyone else? Then, before you clap, we can't be a museum. We're not allowed to say, no, this is the way it's going to be. This is the way it's always been. This is the way I like it. We have to keep moving forward. We have history. This church has rich history, but we've got a future. We're going to take a look at an interesting story from the Old Testament today. It's found in the book of Numbers. Uh, fourth book, open to the beginning and just keep going. You'll find it. Book of Numbers. And, and it's about Moses. And the context here is that Moses has been the leader of God's people for many, many years. He led them out of slavery in Egypt. He has wandered around in the desert with them for a very long time. He has given them the law that he got from God. He has been the main guy kind of leading these people, but it is getting hard. It is getting exhausting. He's done it for a long time, and he realizes he can no longer do this alone. This is a very large and grumpy group of people. And so he asked God for some help. And that's the context. So if you've got your Bibles, Numbers 11, verse 16. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Gather before me 70 men who are recognized as elders and leaders of Israel. Bring them to the tabernacle to stand there with you. I will come down and talk to you there. I will take some of the spirit that is upon you, and I will put the spirit upon them also. They will bear the burden of the people along with you, so you will not have to carry it alone. So this is a great solution. This is solving the problem. God's going to take his spirit off of Moses, leave some there, but he's going to spread it around to these 70 other guys. Uh, verse 24 is where we pick up. 
And it says, so Moses went out and reported the Lord's words to the people. He gathered the 70 elders and stationed them around the tabernacle. And the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to Moses. Then he gave the 70 elders the same spirit that was upon Moses. And when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. But this never happened again. Two men, Eldad and Medad, stayed behind in the camp. They were listed among the elders, but they had not gone out to the tabernacle, yet the spirit rested upon them as well, so they prophesied in the camp. So remember that their job was to leave the camp and go to the tabernacle, but they don't. They stay there and they prophesy anyway. Change of plans. Obviously, everyone's going to take this really well. Verse 27. A young man ran and reported to Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' assistant since his youth, protested, Moses, my master, make them stop. But Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them all. And then Moses returned to the camp with the elders of Israel. That's it. So at first glance, it seems like a pretty non-story story, right? Moses needs some help. God gives him some help. A couple guys don't really follow the plan. The end. But there's actually quite a lot in here that I think we can learn from. Uh, in the past, God spoke through Moses alone. That was the way it had always been. It was a very simple line of communication. God to Moses to the people. That, that is how they got out of slavery. God Spoke to Moses, performed miracles. He did the heavy lifting. They were done. And that's how they got manna in the desert. God, or Moses spoke to God, and he made it rain food. This is the way that it has just always been. This is how God gave Moses the law, and then Moses took the law to the people. Very simple, very linear. That's how communication in leadership was working. But this is new. All of a sudden, now we've got 70 new people. Who are, who are capable of prophesying and doing the Lord's work, 70 new leaders. And, and of those 70, we've got two who are being like rebellious and they're doing their own thing. Everything is going haywire. Everything gets chaotic. In other words, new things are bad. And the whole plan has complicated things and it has left people alarmed and angry and a little afraid. Even Moses' assistant Joshua is like, no, 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 no. His exact words are, make it stop. We can relate, can't we? When things are no longer the way they used to be. We don't like it. None of us like it. It doesn't have to be a big thing, a simple thing. Like when you walk into a grocery store whose layout you had memorized and they switched everything around and now you can't even find the bagels and you're like, what is this? Never going there again. Or when Facebook and Instagram come up with a new timeline or a format, the outrage is palpable. You can hear the entire globe cry out, Put it back in chronological order. <laughs> I remember the outrage when I was a kid when cassettes all of a sudden got replaced by CDs. I was mad. I loved my, my Walkman, and all of a sudden now it get, gets replaced by a Discman. And the thing with a Discman is that it skipped every time you took a step for no reason at all. My cassette tapes never skipped, ever. If you touched a CD the wrong way, it wouldn't work. If you scratched it, it wouldn't work. I could unravel a tape and put it back together, and it would work flawlessly. I loved it. You could put a blank tape in the stereo and record songs from the radio. 
I couldn't do that when CDs were first invented. You could make a mixtape. That was the best. No one made mixed discs. You can't even say it. It doesn't even sound good. It was awful. See, we often think of the people who struggle with change the most, we always think it's a generation older than us. It's not true. Change is universally difficult for all of us. The difficulty we have with change is never, is never confined to an age group. Notice that Joshua is younger than Moses, and he is the one who is upset. Sometimes that change happens in the church. It's not just a grocery store moving their bagels. It's the church got rid of the bulletin. It's not Facebook altering their timeline. The church got rid of the choir. They brought in chairs instead of pews, and they changed their name. And when it happens, we're all a little bit like Joshua, and we would like for things to go back to the way they were, because that's what I know, that's what's safe, that's what I recognize. That's what makes sense to us. And when it changes, just like Joshua, we get a little alarmed. We get a little freaked out by that. You know what I love about this story, though? It was all God's fault. This was God's doing. Right? Everyone goes and complains to Moses because he's the leader, but God was the one who said, why don't we do this? Why don't I take my spirit and kind of give it to a bunch of other people? He was the only one who could do that. It was his idea. He's the one that's kind of messing with this the, the whole time. Here's a great reminder for us. We serve a God of surprises. We serve a God who very rarely does anything that is normal and routine and expected. Almost never does God work that way. Uh, he tells us this in Isaiah 43, 19. For I am about to do something new. Now, you could just repeat that line. You realize God didn't just say that once in history. He's saying a characteristic about himself. Every day, God's like, I'm going to do something new. We serve a God who is doing a new thing. You see this all through scripture. He tells Noah to build a boat. And Noah's like, why? He's like, I'm going to make it rain. What's rain? It's a new thing. You'll see. He tells Moses, I'm going to free you from slavery. Just go ask Pharaoh nicely. Well, he's not going to let us go. What are you going to do? This blood in the Nile, frogs from the sky. It's new. You've never seen it. And that's what he does all through the Old Testament. He splits the ocean in half and people walk through it. He's like, yeah, it's a new one. Never seen that one before. He makes his city collapse because people walk around it seven times, blowing trumpets. He gives a man superhuman strength because of his haircut. Brings a guy back to life, lets a fish swallow a guy, but keeps him alive, lets guys walk through fire, even though they didn't die. He's like, yeah, get a load of this. You've never seen this. Guy ends up with lions. Usually they get eaten. God's like, not this time. I'm going to do a new thing. He's always doing something new, unexpected, completely different. No one ever saw it coming. Um, in fact, this story is actually hinting at one of the craziest things God ever did. Because in the story of numbers here that we're reading, God's spirit kind of gets on 70 people, but that's a foreshadowing of the day of Pentecost when God's spirit goes on anyone who accepts Jesus. That was completely unexpected. That wasn't supposed to be the way of the kingdom. Now we're the temple and we walk around with God inside of us. It was crazy. No one saw that coming. Jesus showed up as the Messiah as a baby. A baby. And then he dies. And then he comes back to life. And then he goes back to heaven, right? It's just no one could have scripted it. No one could have predicted it. No one ever could have fathomed it happening. When it comes to God, familiarity and stability and comfort are very rarely the goal. 
He is a God of surprises. He is a God who does something new all the time. And, and the way the church has kind of followed him and worshipped him and done church has changed from, from the book of Acts up to the Middle Ages to Martin Luther to the way that the church looks today. It, it, God speaks and works in new ways, in new seasons, for new kinds of people, in new places around the world. And it's not anything we ever need to get upset with. In fact, when God introduces new complexities into the church, we shouldn't complain. We should celebrate. A response should be, God's doing something new. I've never seen him do it this way before, but this is pretty awesome. I wonder what God is up to. And I love Moses' response to the chaos. He does, he's not alarmed like his assistants. Joshua's like, what are we going to do? Moses is like, I really like this, actually. I wish it happened to more people. That's his response. It's only been on 70. I'd love for this to have been on everyone. Can you imagine? They can't imagine. 70 was enough for them. And, and here's what I love is that Moses is more concerned about God's mission still moving forward than he is about the way things were structured. See, what Moses wanted was help so that God's people could continue to be led and led towards the promised land and led towards whatever it is God was leading them to do. And, and if things changed along the way, that was fine. But Moses was most concerned about God's people being empowered to keep the church moving forward. That's what he's happy about. It looked different. It's going to require some change. That's okay. And that's the main thing. That, that's really what I want to talk about today. Are we willing to do whatever it takes to see God's mission keep moving forward? Are we willing? Will we do it? Are we willing to endure change and be open to new ideas and new thinking and new movements of God? Moses was okay with some spiritual chaos. Are we? Are we okay with that? See, we've got to be more committed to progress than comfort. Right? The church needs to be more committed to progress than comfort. And few things stagnate health and growth more than the phrase, but this is how we've always done it. Do you know that the way we've always done it is often bad? Do you know that a few hundred years ago, one of the most common ways to relieve a headache was to put a hole in your skull? <laughs> That'll relieve the pressure. Sometimes it feels like that. You've got a headache and you're like, someone just put like a nail through my head. That would feel great. Uh, do you know that a few hundred years ago that morphine, codeine, and heroin were common ingredients in children's cough medicine? It, I mean, it worked. <laughs> do you know that a couple hundred years ago that people still utilized bloodletting as a way to try and solve their disease, to cure their disease? It's like, I've come down with an awful disease. You should just cut yourself. It'll bleed out. All the bad stuff will just bleed out. You'll be fine. No, they would die. Aren't you glad that medicine has progressed dramatically throughout the years? Aren't you glad that headaches are now solved with Advil and not a hold of the head? It's because people are committed to progress, to learning, to changing new things, to trying new things, to seeing what else is out there. I believe that the church should be at the forefront of change and progression in the future. Because we've got the most important message of them all. We've got the most important thing that we need to keep moving ahead into the future. The church should not be known as being an organization that is stuck in the past. The church should not be known for celebrating tradition at the expense of our future. We can't be. At some point, you have to say, here's the way that it's been, 
And that's not working anymore. And so we're going to have to let go of some of this so that we can go this way. And it's hard. I'm unbelievably grateful for this church's history and its heritage. We're only here because a whole bunch of people went before us. Right? They made hard decisions. They instituted change. They preached the word. God did some stuff. And here we are in 2018. Do you know that next year is the 125th anniversary of this church? 125? We're almost as old as Canada. That's great. But we're only here because for 124 years, there's been people come before us. I'm only here because there was a pastor here before me named Tim Guptill. He led for five years, instituted all kinds of change. It was unbelievable. He's only here because there was a guy before him named Tom Ward. Left him with a blank slate and a renovated sanctuary. Tom was only here because there was a guy that was before him and a guy before him and a guy before him. We're only in this room because in 1981, a core group of committed cross-pointers decided to take a risk and build a new sanctuary when they had absolutely no money and interest rates were through the roof. And they moved the entire church from the fellowship hall over to this piece of land that was a field. Scandalous. But they did it because they believed in the future of the church. We're only in this building at Four Coronation Court because the church that existed on a house somewhere down the street over there, they realized they outgrew it and they needed to make a change if the church was going to have a future. So they did. They made the hard decisions. They did the work. Change has always been a part of our heritage, and we would never know the progress we have made if we had not looked at the past. We celebrate it. We're thankful for it. It's incredible. But we also recognize that we're not done. We own a piece of land right now on Cliff Street. God willing, we will have a building on that someday, which means we will leave this building. And that will be hard for some of us, because you get married in this building, and you have family buried in this graveyard. And you raised your kids here, and they were dedicated here, and you've got a pile of memories here. That's going to be a difficult thing for you, but that's okay, because you can take your memories with you. They're not in wooden beams and the carpet. They're with you, right? The church, as we've already stated anyway, is not a building. This isn't Crosspoint. You're Crosspoint. In fact, we've already begun that change by launching a campus that meets at the movie theater every week. So we're already a church that's not located at Fort Coronation Court. We're just a group of people. They're still a part of the family. It just looks different and it works different. So someday, God willing, we are going to build a church on Cliff Street. It's going to be awesome, but know this, that when we're done that building, we're not done. Right? In the same way that in 1981, this room was the vision this room was a picture of the victory that we are going to, man, we're going to build a new sanctuary. It's going to hold so many people. It is going to be fantastic. That was the vision. All of a sudden, now it's the problem. It's not big enough to hold all of us. We have to go to two services and then three and then four in separate locations, and there's just not enough room. That's a good thing. It's a good thing that sometimes your vision turns into your problem. God willing, we will have a church on Cliff Street and it will be unbelievable and it will meet all of our needs for a season. And someday, I hope to outgrow it. That building on Cliff Street will not be the end for Crosspoint. We're not going to build it and be like, whew, that's done. I hope to someday complain about it. <laughs> Man, this building is way too small. What were we thinking? Wouldn't that be awesome? 
I don't know, 50 years from now, what does this church look like? Maybe we'll have a campus on the moon. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows what the future looks like? But it's our goal to make sure that we get there. The bottom line is that I did not build this church and neither did you. And I will not finish this church and neither will you. It's our job in the season that we've got to make sure that we just keep moving it forward. Just like Moses, he ushered in a new season of leadership, a new way of God working, a new way of God's people doing a new thing. Joshua, for the record, if you've read the Old Testament, spoiler alert, he comes around. In fact, one of my favorite parts of the story is that he ends up picking up the mantle of leadership from Moses, and Joshua is the guy who leads the people into the promised land, a new land where they're going to do things a new way. It was going to be completely different. The guy who was flipping out about change is the guy that leads them to it. That is what God can do. It's possible to come around with God's help. It's possible to be a part of that change. He realized his calling wasn't to maintain stability, but to keep the mission of God moving forward. I love it. See, at a museum, you can't touch anything. Everything is untouchable. You can't mess with it. You can't get in there. You can't cause chaos with it. At the church, though, nothing can be untouchable, save for Jesus Christ and the gospel. Everything else needs to be on the table and say, this might have worked for a season, but it might not work anymore. And we've got to be allowed to mess with it a little bit. The mission always stays the same. The methods are always going to change. Do you believe the church has a future? Do you believe that Crosspoint has a future? Do you believe that it's going to look exactly the way that it does today? And are you okay with that? Remember, the guy that yelled, make it stop, becomes the guy that leads them to change. We can keep moving. We can keep changing. I believe that God can do some new things at this church and in our lives. I believe the things that he's going to do in Fredericton and in our region are going to be new and exciting and crazy. It might be a little bit of spiritual chaos. And like Moses, we're going to have to be okay with it. We're going to have to be sure that the main thing is that God's mission keeps moving forward. I believe our future is bright. I believe the gates of hell will not prevail over the church. But we've got to be sure that we stay a church and we don't ever turn into a museum. Right? Awesome. I'm excited. I'm excited about what God is doing. I'm excited about where he's taking us. And at the same time, a little bit frightened about how that's going to work. And I think that's where God likes to keep his people. I, I believe that if we're not a little bit daunted by what our future looks like, we're probably doing it wrong. If you're not a little bit frightened that your future vision requires more resources than your present scenario, that's probably a good thing. Right? I want to dream big. I want to believe big. I want to believe that God's got some incredible things in store for us. But we're the ones who are going to have to step up and say, I'll be a part of it. Crosspoint might not be a perfect church, but it's the, the church that I'm called to. It's the church that is my family. And I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that we keep moving ahead. Let me pray for us. God, you're so good and we're grateful for the way that you've always moved throughout history, the way that you've always done things that were new and unpredictable and a little bit crazy and sometimes downright scary, and yet your way always works. 
Your plan is always perfect. Your promise always comes to fruition, and you have always been faithful. And so I pray that we would stand on those promises as a church, that as we look forward to the future and we wonder how we're going to get there, where are the people going to come from, where is the money going to come from, uh, how, how are you going to continue to reach thousands of people in this city? God, I just pray that we would follow you, that we would hear your voice, that we would stay in step with your spirit, that we would be led according to your promises, and that you would use us to do incredible things that we haven't even thought of yet. Do things through this church that we haven't even dreamed of. And God, I pray that we would be always setting this church up to be in the best possible scenario for the next generation to take it and run with it, however they think is best. We trust you above all and beg you to do an incredible thing at Crosspoint, an incredible thing at your church. You're good and we need you. And we ask that you would move on our behalf, God. We pray it together as a church in the name of Jesus. And we all said, amen. amen.